this morning's message entitled Jesus our Sabbath rest Jesus our Sabbath rest that opening scripture came from Matthew the 11th chapter in the 28th verse but our scripture text come from the 52nd 56th chapter of Isaiah the first of the eight verse thus saith the Lord keep ye judgment and do justice for my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it that keepeth the sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil Neither let the son of the stranger that had joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord had utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. Even unto them will I give in my house and within my walls a place, and a name better than of sons and of daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord, to serve him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and taketh hold of my covenant. Even to them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathered the outcasts of Israel said, Yet I will gather others to him, beside those that are gathered unto him. That's our scripture for the day. And on this I tell you that's a, a call to God's people to come unto the Lord to have a time of rest, a time to relax from their toilet. But as we read from the prior chapter, it's also a call to salvation. It's a call to salvation in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to those who have heard the gospel, and as I was saying, uh, that that's a salvation message to the church to the people within the church that this is a latter day scripture a prophecy uh, that Isaiah is speaking and it's not to just Israel but to the Jew and the I mean to the Gentiles and as many as he shall call it's to all people so we know it's an end day prophecy not a Jewish prophecy just as the Sabbath the Sabbath is a day that God had set aside and made holy from creation. He's the God of creation, and in that Sabbath day, He rested. And as God rested from His labor, He set an example for us to rest, an example that we should follow. But He gave us the archipagos, and I tell you, that was Jesus Christ, one that would give us a sampling and who would magnify the law. In other words, bring the light, the law to where there's a resolution, a clear understanding and seeing of the law to interpret the law because it's his judgments, precepts, and statutes which was to for a spiritual people. And he didn't give the law in the beginning. The law is it's what God's character is. It's, it's the essence of God. It is what righteousness is. But we see when he created Adam that the curse brought about some things and brought about a new way to observe this Sabbath. The Sabbath, uh, as I said, was to all people. So it's really not a Jewish day. It's not a Jewish Sabbath. There are ways that the Jews do keep Sabbath day. That's not an imposition upon the church that we should keep the Sabbath as the Jews kept the Sabbath. So that's what we're looking at today is what would we do to pollute 
to defile and profane the Sabbath day, a day that God had made holy, that God had set aside for himself. This is not a preaching, uh, uh, as, as I've heard a lot of people speak this week and some other times about the Sabbath. This is not a debate or argument on what day is the Sabbath. This is not a debate or argument on the Sabbath being done away with. We know that what God creates, we know that it is forever. God had made the Sabbath for man. But as I said, it's from creation, and we're going to have to look at what keeps the Sabbath holy. What would keep the Sabbath holy in the original way God made it? It's as marriage, when the Pharisees and Sadducees approached Jesus about what was written in the law and said Moses had given them a bill of divorcement that a man could divorce or put away his wife, Jesus didn't start right there because the law was some 400 years after Abraham's time. The law was during the time of Moses. Moses, like they said, had given the law. But Jesus started from the beginning because everything starts with God. Everything starts with the beginning. And he says, it wasn't so in the beginning. He says, because of the hardness of your heart. He let Moses give them a bill of divorcement. So we have to look back what was how this thing was originally how it's supposed to be. Yes. Marriage and everything else have been defiled and contaminated in which anything man touches or have anything to do with becomes defiled and contaminated. Yes. Man is a contamination and defilement within himself and he's utterly depraved. Matthew, uh, through this controversy, describes some things about the Sabbath and Jesus coming to magnify the Sabbath. And I'd like to begin right here with my first point of resolution, of clarity. Throughout the Old Testament, God notes the violation of pollution of and defiling of the Sabbath as a separate act. I've printed Matthew, the 12th chapter, and I didn't bring the other one with me, but it was 16 verses on pollution of the Sabbath and how we've defiled the Sabbath. And each one of these times he says that you've defiled my, you've uh, not acted according to my judgments and hadn't kept my statutes and commandments. And you've profaned or polluted the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Now, the, he didn't include that polluting and profaning of the Sabbath. And, and when he said you hadn't kept my commandments, statutes, and judgments, that was a separate issue. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what a lot of people fail to look at when they're bringing up the issue of God abolishing or doing away with the Sabbath. And we don't have to observe the Sabbath. Well, shouldn't it be with everything else that God did? If you go throw that one out, we have to throw everything out else out God did. Yes. They call up on Jesus that Jesus defiled the Sabbath, or Jesus did some things against the Sabbath, and they're at a high note of being a Pharisee at that time. But like, like I said, let's look at some records of Matthew, the Sabbath controversy surrounding Jesus. And the things that were said or done, and why did Jesus do these things? Um, we have seen that the Sabbath is a day that the Lord is the day of the Lord our God, and that therefore Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Yes, yes. That's what he discussed with the Pharisees at Matthew and in Luke, that the Sabbath was made for man and not the man for the Sabbath. So we see that God had set something there that the carnal man can't understand. And that's why I say Jesus brought resolution to his church. He brought clarity to his church. That's why Paul says when we look at the word of God and we read, we look through a glass darkly. 
because it takes some studying and time of reading and walking in the Word of God and living it being a doer of God's will to completely understand the Lord. The Sabbath has everything to do with our relationship with God. So to build a relationship with God, we need to spend more time with God. Quality time with God. And the Sabbath gives us that quality time with God. You know, I spend time with my wife here in church. Uh, I spend time with my children and my wife at different times. And a lot of times you may go to social events with an individual or whatever. But for you and that person to develop a personal relationship, you must spend time alone together. Me and my wife must have time where we maybe watch television together or engage in some social event together. Just togetherness and doing a whole lot of things and things that a man and woman do in the sacred institution of marriage that brings you closer together to know one another. You can work with a person a long time and not know that person or not develop a relationship with that person. A lot of people go to churches and thousands of people nowadays go to church, but you're not familiar with the people in the church. You don't have a personal relationship with no one but your inner circle. We see that the inner circle of Jesus was with three of the apostles, James, John, and Peter, I guess it, I think it was, and he had a look, seem as though they were with him a little bit more. You know, you may have five or six children or whatever, but I think the deeper relationship is could be built with the one that's closest to you all the time that you spend more time with alone, uh, with others. You know, you know, the more personal time you spend with that in individual or whatever, you may have a lot of friends or whatever. But the friend that you see the most, the friend that you're in close proximity with the most, is the one you... Well, so on the Sabbath, God removes work from the order. And he says that's a day of rest, that you shouldn't toil or labor within that day. So he removes work and the attention of other things all, and also in building a relationship or doing something especially in this age of technology and everything, you notice that a lot of times if you're driving and texting or driving or talking on the phone, a lot of people now they get together at dinner time or different times and you're together, but you're doing something else. You what they call multitasking Mm. individual right in front of you and you end up texting him instead of talking to him. Instead of watching television together, you're doing something else. And I guess that's one of the reasons I've drifted away from watching television with people because we're not watching television together if you're doing something else and watching television with me. That's why when you're watching football or something together, y'all watching it together, the other individual's not doing something else. I think that's been taken a lot from the game when they have the several different screens and you watching several different games at, at one time. You, you, you're not watching the game. You're highlighting the game. You, you're not really seeing what's going on. You're not paying much attention to neither. Right. We also touch on the fact that the Sabbath is to be the seal of God because the Sabbath is the seal the name, the title, and the domain that he rules. In other words, that shows you as he being the creator of all of the earth, that after all his creation, he rested and declared that day holy. No other day is holy. That's a sign and seal, just like on that dollar bill on your money. You have the seal of the United States of the United States of America. That shows the dominion in which this 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 money is over, in which territory it's sovereign over. Well, this money is not sovereign in Europe, uh, Russia, or anything. The Russian dollar is sovereign there, whatever. But God has a seal. That Sabbath is a seal. He says in the book of Ezekiel, to seal those in their forehead that are mine. 
He told them the seal, those are, that seal was something that can be seen. I think Sabbath day worshipers throughout the world are seen, are separated, are set apart. And people that don't understand the Sabbath day seal, they group everybody in under that seal that says that they worship on the Sabbath. And a lot of people may say Sunday is the Lord's day. That's their Sabbath. There are some people that say as long as you worship, as long as you observe one in seven, not necessarily the same day. But as long as you worship one day in seven or rest one day in seven. But we see that the title and everything that is included in the Sabbath, that's why I say it's so vast. I can't just go in and break that down today. I'm looking at what it, what happens, how do we pollute that specific, that specific day. But we see that one thing that does pollute it would be work. He says that do no work in that day. But he also says of doing your own pleasure. And we go, that's a separate one that we're going to look at in the 58th chapter and the 13th verse. Because as I said, if, if this is God's Sabbath, we should do things pertaining to God on this day. Yes. Whether it's going to church and worship, whether it's doing good, where we see that's where Jesus did. He did good on the Sabbath. So it's not just a day of idleness, a day that I go home and just go to sleep on or do nothing on. It says if you would stop doing your own pleasure, and that kind of knocks out college football with in my ranks or whatever. You, I, you might get a game in on Sunday or something. If I watch the football, I don't watch football any longer, but the professionals of things played during the on. Sundays or sometime during the week or whatever. But college watching the college football would be out for true Sabbath day worshipers because that would be doing your pleasure. But I'm not one that say what you can't do on that day. That's why he says to the eunuch, listen to how he says that. Now he says to the eunuch, to the strangers that join themselves to keep the covenant and keep from polluting it and who would join themselves. That's even to the eunuch. Now we know the eunuch wasn't allowed in the congregation in the old Testament and the eunuch was separated from that. But God said he would give them who keep his Sabbaths. He would choose and choose the things that please him to take hold of his covenant. He would give them a name better than of sons and of daughters will give them an everlasting name where they won't ever be cut off. See, but, but you can't do your pleasure on that day. You're not supposed to be doing your pleasure. I'm not, not listen at me closely. Yes. I'm not telling you what to do and what not to do on the Sabbath. The spirits will guide you and lead you in all truths. And that, that's why I say it's a blessing that's going to come. It's a blessing. This is a thing that's free to you. That's why he said in the 51st chapter there, he says, he that is thirsty, he that is hunger, oh, let him come unto me and drink. Let him come unto me and eat and drink that wine, milk, and bread. That's a sign of merriment and enjoyment, and, and your delight is in the Lord. Amen. See, a lot of people thinking about what you can't do on the Sabbath, and they like the Pharisees. You didn't made the Sabbath a burden or something that's dull or whatever. I think it's a delight unto me if I, if don't nobody bother me today. Don't nobody bother me at all today and I can go home and read and study the word of God and maybe go visit some of the people that are sick and shut in. Uh, if, if it comes up, someone needs me to do something good and it's led by the spirit of God, maybe I'll help you. Maybe I'll reach out a hand. Maybe I'll do that. You know, that, that's what I say, doing good works. But it's not a day that I take pleasure in to go back and go to barbecuing and doing all my works and the things that I love, sit down and watch football and TV and enjoy myself. No, it's a day set aside for me and the Lord. It's the, the Lord's day. It's the day that I develop a relationship with him. Bringing in the rest of the stuff in pollutes that. You didn't see different things where they say you have to leave your cell phones and things at the door. 
you can't bring those things in because it's going to take your mind off of these things. When Jesus did righteous and good acts on the Sabbath, this, I told you, was to steal something into the people that, that saw him doing these things. Now, the Pharisees, this thing that Jesus did, notices in the book of Matthew, the 12th chapter, where Jesus did works on the Sabbath. It proceeds right on the heels of Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 28th verse, where Jesus was talking about resting, about rest, and that's where our reading scripture comes from. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we're looking for rest. And I said the title of our message was Jesus is our Sabbath day rest. There was promised a rest for the people of God. Jesus is that rest. If we've entered into Christ, that's the invitation to eat and drink and enjoy. That's why the eunuchs and the strangers would know what to do on the Sabbath to not pollute themselves. And they would have the word of God. They would have the word of God and they've been and studied the word of God and they do that which is pleasing unto Jesus Christ. Yes. Now the Pharisees got contentious about this. They had put up a hedge around the Sabbath. They had fixed the Sabbath in such a way that, that it was a problem. But in the book of Matthew, when the Pharisees, let's, let's look at the first one that says at a particular time, Jesus went through the grain fields, and that's when him and his disciples was plucking the corn. And the, the, the Pharisees come and says, uh, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And he said to them, have you not read in the scriptures? Now, he's asking in them. See, because if they so judge Mill on what he's doing is unlawful, mm-hmm. had you read what David did when he was a hungry and he went into the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat. Have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the sanctity of the Sabbath and yet are innocent? But I tell you something greater than the temple is here. If you had only known what this statement means, the statement of scripture says, I desire compassion for those in distress and not animal sacrifice, you would not have condemned the Son of Man. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus did this to show you that mercy is a higher order of the law. That if someone is hungry on the Sabbath, he necessarily would eat. That they wasn't breaking. Man had devised the laws that you couldn't uh, rub your hands together and husk corn or whatever because it was working. They couldn't go through the fields plucking the corn and what all determined worse. And I tell you, there was some maybe 1,300 Sabbath day laws that they had came up of things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath. But Jesus was saying about these people eating and he brought up two examples of what it was permissible to what they did, what David did up on the Sabbath, what the priests do up on the Sabbath. And then if it's wrong to work on Sabbath, this is my job preaching on the Sabbath, right? I enjoy this. I don't consider it work to me. It may be work to others if others are orators and do the same type of work along the lines of preaching. Well, then you would say that I'm doing work. Well, Yes, I'm doing work, and I'm doing the work of the Lord. And the Spirit, the Sabbath I've entered, I'm resting in Christ and doing work. I'm not toiling. And that's what he wants us to do, rest from our labors. Is that what the reading scripture says? He that is heavy laden, he that is under them, let him come unto me and rest. See, the God of creation had created work. He had given man to do work in the beginning. Lord, when he put man in the garden, he put him in there to keep it in the dress. But it was man. You remember I told you, man always messed things up. It was because of man's disobedience. Because of man's disobedience that toil was invented. He says, toil, you shall toil 
and by the sweat of your brow. So they made work toil, whereas resting in the Lord, those that have any type of job, it's not work if they're doing what God created them to do. It's work if they're not in the Lord. That's the toil and labor we have because we're carrying the burden in. Christ is not carrying the burden. We've laid our burden upon him because he's a burden bearer. You heavy laden and you're still toiling with that. It's like you trying to supply lights and putting coal oil in a lamp and doing all these other things or whatever, and I'm on the Christ. I just walk in and switch on the light. You know, it used to be toil and heavy labor to get a fire going. It, it says in there about him killing a fire. You killing a fire on the Sabbath day. Well, that might have been toil and work in those days because you had to gather the wood, and I used know about gathering wood and making kindling and starting a fire, whatever. It is labor. It is work. Some people don't know how to start a fire, especially when it's raining and it's wet and whatever you're dealing with. But then nowadays, all you have to do is go in there and turn it on, a mash a button, and you and you got fire. So it's no longer labor or toil. One of them is Christ, and one of them is your own work and labor. Whereas we're not laboring. He's already done the work. He said, it is finished. All we have to do is walk therein, submit ourselves unto God. If we in Christ, if we submit unto Him, He's doing the heavy lifting. He's the one who's carrying the weight on His shoulders. I'm not carrying the weight. I'm saying and telling you what He told me to tell you. So uh, it's not my battle. It's not my fight. I'm just a messenger. Leaving there, he went into their synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they asked him, Is it lawful and permissible to heal on the Sabbath? And they asked this so that they might have a reason to accuse him that he healed on the Sabbath. But he said unto him, What man is there who has a sheep, an ox that fall in a pit, and would you take hold and lift? lift it out of the pit if your ox in the ditch wouldn't you get it out well how much more valuable than this is a man than a sheep so he says is it lawful permissible to do good on the sabbath then he said to the man reach out your hand and he restored the man's hand and healed the man's hand so the pharisees went about discussing a way to get rid of him to destroy him because he was going around working on the Sabbath. And they say if this man was of God, he wouldn't be working on the Sabbath. He wouldn't be doing these things. Now, I agree and listen and see what the thing is here. How many of y'all understand what Jesus is doing? Because the man with the withered hand was the same as the paralytic that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And Jesus wouldn't particularly heal this individual. Now, if he was a paralytic or had a withered hand, he had been one of them had been in that condition 38 years. And he'd say each time he got ready to get in the water, somebody would go ahead of him. And Jesus said, well, if you be here, take up your bed and walk. And wanted to stone Jesus for that. The man with the withered hand, Jesus said, stretch out your arm. And the arm was made whole and he was healed everywhere. You know, by his stripes, we were healed, right? right. Jesus bore the burden now again. He's a burden bearer. Oh, but they said, no, you're doing something you shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath. Now, you notice that Jesus is getting under their skin. He's trying to bring a topic to order here. Yeah. Because I'm listening at the Pharisees' argument. This guy could have came another day to be healed, couldn't he? Because if he had been in that shape 38 years, waiting one more day to the next day to the first day of the week, it wouldn't have made that big a difference. Your hand been messed up all that long. You've been blind all these years. One more day ain't going to make a difference. See, but Jesus did that. So he says, isn't it lawful to do good? So now he's, they're saying he's breaking the Sabbath. So now we see we can't limit the Sabbath and tell a person what they can and can't do on the Sabbath. You see, he wasn't a legalist. There's a lot of legalists nowadays. I have a, a lot of relatives and things that tell me about religion, not that I'm in religion, or what I can and can't do. They, they go explain, I thought you were holy or whatever. Well, you're a, you're a judge of holy people? 
Are you a judge of holy people? That's why you're not in holiness. You know what I should and shouldn't be doing. Be careful when you judge people. Because what judgment you judge shall be measured under you. Somebody will use that same extent of judging on you. So the true meaning of the Sabbath was to instill that from the first verse in that chapter when he says, maintain good works. Go about doing good, to, to do justly, to do good, do that is right, to be merciful and humble with the Lord. You do that every day. Every day is Sabbath by and by in Jesus Christ. Any respect of holy days or Sabbath days or whatever, do what I want to do on what day I want to do it if the Lord leads me to do it. Telling me I can't work. That's the only if that's the only day they working or whatever. You've had a lot of people quit their jobs because they oh it's the Sabbath I can't work. Well, that job required you to work on the Sabbath. You in this world, he says, keep them in the world. So you have to find another way. There has to be another way. That's why I say we can't judge people and say oh he will go to hell. He working on a Sabbath day. Uh, You're not the judge of that. Is that man in Christ? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes. So we need to be careful of what we're doing in this day and time and what we're saying. Jesus is looking for character building. He's building character. That's why he says his father doeth yet work. Jesus was continually working as his father works. He was building character, purity, and trustworthiness in, in men. Now, what happened, the second point, is rejection and rebellion. Rejection and rebellion because the Sabbath is a preparatory day. and I mean, a day that you should know that it's coming. In those other six days, you should be getting ready for the Sabbath to come. Well, if I know I got to deliver a sermon on Saturday, I should be preparing myself the rest of the week. God said it so that to, to observe the Sabbath that he would give you twice as much bread on the Saturday, right? I mean, on the Friday, the day before the Sabbath, he said he will give you a double portion. If you collect that double portion, you wouldn't have to go out on the Sabbath. It's teaching you that God will provide if you work those six days, if you do what you're supposed to do, God could do his portion to maintain. That's why the year of the Sabbath, they went in, Idolatry came about, idolatry brings about captivity, and disobeying the Sabbath contains idolatry. That's why they went into captivity. The idolatry that they were doing, something else came before God. Something else was coming before God's Sabbath day. They were putting other things before God's Sabbath day. As we keep reading and see the nation of Israel rejected God's design for rest, especially the Sabbath day. Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, the 12th through the 13th verse, also he says, I gave my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Now, you see what that Sabbath does? It's a sign that sets us apart knowing if God is doing a sanctifying thing in you. That's why I say, if you observe the Sabbath, you will be a better worshiper of God on other days, and there's a blessing in that. That's why he says, bless the eunuch and bless the strangers that observe the Sabbath. The blessing begins with God's rest on the Sabbath. It begins with us resting in Christ Jesus. Observing those things refreshes us and strengthens us. Who's not stronger after a day of rest? You work all week and you rest at one day. They found out if you work a man, an animal, a machine, anything after seven days, it becomes weary. It becomes sleep deprived. But after a good day's rest, you're ready to run some more. That's why they had to cut out. They wanted during the slavery times and different times they would work a man without eating. They would work a person through lunch or whatever. But they found out through research and everything that a man doesn't work as good if you if you give him a, after three or four hours. You let him eat and take a little break there or whatever. You get more work out of him those other three or four hours. 
There's a principle involved in God's word. There's a principle involved. He told Moses not to come before me all the time. He told his disciples to take a, a break, take a you go out into the desert place and rest a while. You studying the word of God all the time and you all the time with that Bible and God's word or whatever, you need to get away from it a while. Take a little time for your family. Take a little time for other things. That's what the brought in divorces and things, being a workaholic, if that's all you do is work, 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 all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So sometimes we have to get a little rest in. God set us an example of that. He says, but the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes and they rejected my ordinances by which if a man observes them, he will live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profane. Then I resolved to pour out my wrath and destroy them in the wilderness. You see what happened there? They profaned this Sabbath, and I told you that was different from the ordinances and the judgments that they didn't follow. They didn't want to do it God's way. And man has been wrestling with that all of the time, and they seen a great break. Satan took a great break at the time of the resurrection. After his greatest defeat, Jesus died on the cross, and at his greatest defeat in the resurrection, Satan perfected, Satan brought about the greatest deception of his time. He said, well, look, let's change the day of worship there. Let man get in his mind through philosophy and everything that God changed his day of worship because of the resurrection, that he changed it to Sunday. They went off with Sunday worship after these things that he didn't change. Now, if God didn't make one day holy, wouldn't God have to make, a, uh, shouldn't God make a bigger comeuppance about if he changed that day? If he sent them into captivity for 70 years, he killed people and did all these things, from changing, the, uh, not worshiping on that Sabbath day, the day that he hollowed, if God's going to change that day to another day of the week, shouldn't it be signs all over the place? Hey, I'm changing this day. I'm changing it. I'm moving it from being the Lord of creation that I'm going to do it on another day. So, like I said, let's not the argument be about that data. The Pharisees' doctrine polluted the doctrine of Scripture. That's a pollution of God's Word. And that's why he says, uh, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They didn't understand what he was meaning because he had told them to listen at what the Pharisees say, but don't do as they do because they were hypocritical. But here he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they thought it was about bread. And when they didn't bring enough bread to eat or whatever, they were still thinking carnally. See, this is spiritual. When we're talking about defiling, polluting, and profaning the Sabbath, we're talking spiritual language. Because after God rested, if he started any other work, if any other work went on, it was spiritual work. It wasn't no longer fit work that he had finished it says on the sixth day he had finished all of the work in other words all of the physical is done Christ finished all of the physical things on the cross he said it is finished now what's left is spiritual we have to make up our mind to follow this and not pollute the Sabbath this is a spiritual thing this is voluntary because there are some that won't be blessed there are many in the church that are not walking in the blessings of God. There are many church people that struggling from day to day. There are many church people with physical deformities and problems and everything because they are not spiritually following the Lord. They're just doing what's necessary to get by, what's necessary to stay in the church. But it takes some work here to follow after him. He says, deny yourself. Well, if you could deny yourself, that means... Cut out on self-pleasure. Cut out on so much self-pleasure. He said, those that's going to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after me. Yes. That's a sacrifice there now. Oh, yeah. Now, the 12th verse says, Then understood they how that he bade them not to beware of the leaven of bread, 
but of the doctrine, that is, the false teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you continue on reading in that 56th chapter, you'll see why you call their false prophets and teachers dumb dogs that can't bark, that won't bark. If you got a dog that won't bark, you need to get rid of him. A silent dog is no good to anyone. As he began to pollute and defile the doctrines in the Bible, Jesus came and brought clarity to them. And he says now in Jeremiah, But if you will not hearken unto me to hallow the Sabbath and not bear a burden, even entering into the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then will I kindle a fire in the gates thereof and shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and it shall not be quenched. And we're seeing there where he's the beginning to come and fight against the church. There are many churches falling. There are many churches coming apart. There are many people walking away from the religion because of the defiling of it. See, when the false teachers and false preachers come in and start bringing in false doctrine, the true worshipers are the true people of God's people, of people that want to follow the Lord. They're not going to just follow anything. See, the it says the children of the world are wiser than the kingdom of wiser than children of the kingdom. So all these con artists and all these people, preachers that's coming into the church and ministers that's coming into the church, been there and done that. We didn't see those things. You ought to can tell a false prophet in the world. They they know somebody when they're trying to scam them. You ought to know somebody when they're trying to get in your pocket. You ought to know these women and men that's hooks and crooks. So you ought to be able to tell those things. And so what happened is God's going to fight against the church because you can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. What works are they having? What's going about it? Is there any life in them? See, the Spirit gives life. And if your flame is flickering and going out, maybe you've ran your course. Maybe it's it's time. We, we don't all live, continue to live. There will be some when Jesus Christ comes. But there are 80-year-olds and 75 and 90-year-olds that don't have the vehement vigor of Joe Biden, uh, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, some of the old people that's in 80s and 90s. Maybe you got a different fight to fight. There are some in their 30s, 40s, and 50s can't move and can't do anything or not here. So I don't know what fights you fighting or whatever. But we can't tell these things or discern them by sign. It's a walk of faith. But we have to find out by studying the Word of God and walking in the Word of God what's defiling and what's not defiling, what is polluting and what's not polluting because we've polluted our streams. We've polluted everything man has touched. He's defiled and polluted. That's why God has to destroy the world. So spiritually, God remakes man. There's a spiritual man because that which is carnal, what's dusk or return to dust. Ashes to ashes and dust. So if you're not born again, you'll be one of the ones that return to dust. You'll be one of those that pass away. But those that enjoy the Sabbath, that have entered into Jesus Christ, those are the ones that are born again, those last of the last point that I want to talk about. That's worshiping the Sabbath. That's honoring the Sabbath. The point is refreshing. The Sabbath brings refreshment. It says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not faint. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall mount up with wings of eagle. That's why I say you will see some people in their old age is getting stronger. It's not always the leaning tree that's the first to fall. You will see a regeneration. That's what the Spirit does. It regenerates us. It makes us anew. It gives us strength. It revitalizes us. There's a rejuvenating effect. The Spirit gives life. That's what gives life. The Spirit gives life. That's why He told Ezekiel to preach unto the bone. When the Spirit enter into them, that's when you have life. That's when the men used to live seven and eight hundred years. 
And they said during the millennia, if a baby died being a hundred, they was wondering what was wrong. Now, that if, if it's a baby that died at eight, think of the length of years that men will live during the millennial reign. And God promises these blessings in His Word because He promises long life. And I wonder why a lot of people don't have long life. Maybe somewhere along the lines, they've broken that commandment, honor your mother and the father. That'll cut your life short. See, but you see what I'm saying? So commandments and precepts and get us an understanding of these things because we can't count on signs. It's an adulterous generation that looking for a sign and that desire sign. But there are signs now. And God says that the Sabbath was a sign. The Sabbath is a sign between you and I. He said, I, Ezekiel, I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between me and them, and that they might know that I am the Lord that sanctifies them. So we avoid idolatry when we take a Sabbath. Because doing what I want to do is not as important as doing what God wants me to do. Now you remember I told you it was voluntary. I'm not saying you can't go home and watch television. I'm not saying you can't go home and work or do something else. I'm not telling you what to do. If you notice, it's it's no do's and don'ts in New Testament about the Sabbath day. That wasn't included. You have to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, and that's what man wants, a list of do's and don'ts. And you can fight against a list of do's and don'ts. But God writes His laws upon your heart. See, that circumcision is no longer a physical circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision. So that's why Paul said, let no man judge you and meat or drink or anything like that. Now, I told you the Sabbath is why the idolatry brought about in the Sabbath is why they went into 70 years of captivity. That's why God carried them into captivity. Well, when they came back from captivity, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, knew that. So knowing that, they said we need to put a hedge up around this Sabbath so they won't break it so that we won't get in trouble doing this. So they even rebuked Jesus for breaking the Sabbath and they put up stringent laws, their own opinions and everything about that Sabbath day. And it's like what men do with the rest of the commandments. To avoid to keep from sinning. Now, drunkenness is wrong, right? Right. Being drunk, the Bible tells us not to be drunk. But did you know that there's no law of prohibition against drinking? He told Timothy to drink a little wine for all that often infirmities. Jesus said that he shouldn't drink of the vine till you drink it new in the kingdom. But it's a lot of people use that to become drunk and to drink all the time. So the prohibition is what a lot of religion is. They they become teetotal. You shouldn't drink at all. Man, you shouldn't drink. Well, maybe you shouldn't drink. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Some with a Phariseeatical mindset would first say you cannot drink any alcohol at any time. That puts a hedge around drunkenness. That means you won't get drunk if if I say you can't drink at all. They might create another hedge around that hedge to keep you even further. Any product that has alcohol content in it, they're going to say you shouldn't drink it. I've heard Swagger talking about these things or whatever. He's become hypocritical on that. We see that he fell in all, all those areas. Maybe he should have been a little bit more lenient in his preaching and teaching. And the understanding of that, God wouldn't have made him a living example of how not to preach or what not to do. It caused him a great fall. Now, what that could lead to, if you say you shouldn't drink or whatever, it leads to banning certain things. And soy sauce have alcohol in it. And you would ban soy sauce to put a further hedge around them not drinking. You go back and tell people anything with alcohol in it. So if somebody see me putting soy sauce on my shrimp fried rice, they wouldn't say I've said because it contains alcohol. I tell a lot of people I cook with alcohol. You know, there's a lot of drink uh, dinner 
things that require wine to cook with it. Now, you used to be a chef, and you cook with a lot of wine. They became obsessed with the rules. And that's the thing about legalists. They lost the point in that. That's why Jesus came and gave us that example of working. They had lost the point of the Sabbath. Sometimes we lose the point of the argument. That's why a lot of people, when you're talking to or whatever, especially in religion or any other time in normal life, if y'all not on the same page, you just choose to leave it alone. You know, because we're talking Chinese to one another. We don't understand one another. So that's why a lot of times relatives or people don't interact with other people. The best way us to stay friends is to stay away around one another. And I talk to somebody that's on my level. You talk to somebody on your level. You talk to somebody, enjoy what you're doing. I talk to somebody, enjoy what they're doing. You see what I'm saying? But don't come up to me with a whole lot of crazy talk and judging this way or whatever. Let's just leave those things alone. That's what Paul did. That's what Paul was preaching as a Christian. Um, a Sabbath does not mean that you just take off from doing things, but it brings about a, a higher obligation to God because it's a higher calling because as you please God, there's going to be a lot of people that try to run interference in our lives. And it, it's going to require drinking of water from the fountain of God's Word. Yes. Drinking water from the fountain of God's Word. He approves and He gives us a cleansing by the washing of His Word. The fountain of pure water is what we are in need of to cleanse us. To give us a clarity of His Word. Plus, we need prayer in our lives. What prayer does, it unites you in communion of God and it makes you, God, aware of your needs. Unless you communicate that need to God, you don't receive. He says, uh, many of us don't have, and he says, the reason we don't have, we don't ask, because God made prayer a way of us requiring those things that we have need of. Jesus says, if any man lacks or need anything, let him ask the Father in my name. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, that he'll do, that he'll give you, that he'll provide if you ask in my name. Well, that don't lead to people that's coming in the church that's giving the get, the get, that you want to get rich through the church, that you want these things. That, oh, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, but you don't understand the Bible because you're a spiritual infant. You, you're not ready for the strong meat of the Word. Yes. You, you're coming to ask God, but you're asking amiss. God may want to provide a car for you, but you're not ready for a Rolls Royce. You can't even drive a Toyota Prius or something. I mean, what it is, these are the, the cheapest Toyota. So why would you want to jump up to the highest lines? When you get a practice car, a practice house, sometimes people have what they call starter homes. Let's see how you keep this little home, this little thing that's less expensive before you get something very expensive. Let's buy you a truck. Let's buy you, well, a truck very expensive nowadays, some of them. But let's buy you the basic before I put you in the best of these things. So God does that with us with the Word of God. Why should God commit more of his word to you when you trampling the little that you have on the foot? He says, don't, don't give that which is holy unto the dogs. In other words, don't discuss scripture, the word of God, with everybody and anybody and in depth and everything because they'll trample it on the foot. They'll come back and you have people in church. They'll come back and tell you what the scripture, you know, they, they love to tell a preacher, well, you know, the scripture says in preaching to preach. Okay, well, I'm sure if he's a preacher, he know what the scripture says. Yes. I'm sure you don't realize you re, you violating scripture because it says rebuke, not an elder. You out of your place. So in the word of God, if we commune with him on the Sabbath, that gives us more time to get in a relationship with him. And in that relationship, we learn more and more blessings come on us. As we study, there are many aspects of the word of God that changes us over the years. As you study the scriptures, you'll see, as Paul told Timothy, 
the scripture is for instruction, for admonition, for reproof, and correction. But a lot of us don't use, like the correction that the scripture gives us. They don't like being corrected. The word of God reveals character. In the words we say, what coming up out of our mouth, that's why John the Baptist and Jesus says, You brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man from the inner good treasure brings out good things, and the evil man out of the evil treasure. So that which defiles the man comes out of the man. You spoke that which is in your heart. You have an evil character. You have an evil nature. If the inside wasn't evil, that wouldn't be coming out of you. That which goes into a man doesn't defile a man. So the word of God purges us and cleanses us so that our conversation change. You no longer engage in foolish talk and foolish sayings and things because it says, if I know I'm going to be judged by every idle word I speak, I'm going to watch my murmuring and complaining. It's over a lifetime that we walk in the word of God and that it reveals and studies by conclusive walking with him. If we could walk with him, if we can get that thirst quenched, that's why he says, he that is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And if you drink this water, he says, then you'll never thirst again. That's what he told the woman at the well of Samaria. But whoever drinks this water that I give him will never be a thirst again. But the water that I but the water that I give him will be a spring of water that is satisfying his thirst for God, this spiritual thirst which is above a physical thirst. That's why he told his disciples he had food that they know not of. The scriptures was his food because man shall live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And so as this word wells up in you. It's going to fulfill you physically and spiritually. And there's no evilness in eating. And that's why people say, well, well, yeah, it's necessary to eat. But if you overdo the thing, gluttony is a sin. So the Bible tells us if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But does that mean that we should stop feeding people? Because God says, if your enemy is hungry, feed it. So how do you line those scriptures up with if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat? So does that mean that you shouldn't give to the poor panhandler on the corner that don't have a meal? Because we know Jesus fed the multitude of thousands. There are times that you have to be led by the Spirit of God. That's why I say we have to watch people that are in and out of church and then come back and give us the word and what we should be doing. Let let us conclude this, and that's what I say about pollution and that we would rest in Christ and we would do this every day and we we can continue and it's no longer toil. The seal which is the Sabbath is only applied to people who actually have a devoted piety on that Sabbath day in any part of God's truth. That's what's going to convict you is that you're trying to do that which is pleasing to God. God's creating a hunger or desire in you to do that which satisfies Him. And He's going to lead you in the way to do that. But watch flesh now. Flesh will try to stop you from doing that. It's going to try to prevent you from doing this in every way possible. That is why not all who profess to keep the Sabbath will be sealed. Because it has to do with the actual works of keeping of the Sabbath that makes the seal. So it's not those that's talking about it, but those that are doers. Those that are walking in this that applies it to their life, and it's sacrificial. You must take out, take up your cross. In other words, you have to die to self. Paul said, I die daily. You know, that's one thing that's a sign. Man that don't deny himself of little pleasures, and it's the little foxes that deny the vines. We have to be careful. Those little things trap us a whole lot of times. We have to go in and say, well, I'm going to not eat 
just to get spiritually strong. I got a house full of food. I got a, a refrigerator full of food, food in a deep freezer. But you know what? I'm going to fast a day or two. I'm going to take a day or two off and push away from the plate. I need to get spiritually strong here. I'm just going to go and pray. I'm just going to think of the Lord. The, the, the words going to be my necessary food during that time. See, because we have to look at this in a spiritual sense. We have to look at the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. He's our rest. He says, come unto me and rest, all of you that have left. Take him up on his words. Take him up, take him up on what he says. Come unto him and rest. All of those things lay you, he says, cast your cares upon me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's take Christ up today. And observe his word fully and he'll show us how not to pollute his day.